Uh, that text talks about a great struggle that's going on in humanity and has been going on for a long time. And the struggle involves sin and its effect on mankind. Basically, what I want to talk to you about this morning is how we win the struggle that we actually overcome. Not the struggle of humanity, but the struggle of sin in our individual life. We have a tendency, all of us I think, I, I don't think I'm talking to anyone that does not want to win when we're involved in some sort of competition. We want to win. We don't go into a competition to lose. A fellow doesn't sit down at a chess game and say, I want to lose this game. He sits down at the chess game, he wants to win. We want to win. We want to come out on top. We want to feel victorious. When we lose, it's humiliating. It's embarrassing, it's frustrating. Losing is especially destructive if we're talking about losing our eternal life in hell. That's a bad loss. That's the loss that, that cannot be undone. I'm thinking about this just a minute before I get into that particular point. In our little leagues with, with kids, winning has become so much of a prevalent idea in the, in the minds of people that we don't want anyone to lose. So whenever a team loses, they don't really lose because they get a trophy just like the winners. We don't want anybody to feel bad about losing. But basically, you're going to feel bad if you don't win. If your team doesn't win, if you don't come out on top, if your politician doesn't win. Trump is getting ready to go into another uh, campaign, and those who want, who want him back in the office don't want to lose. And those who want a Democratic president, they don't want to lose. So the idea of winning and losing is, is ingrained in us. And we need to keep in mind that we are individually, each one, involved in a great struggle that demands that we win. We have to win. Period. We can't afford to lose. We can't lose. It won't be like, well, we'll have another shot at it next year or next week or next month. If we lose this battle, we've lost everything. And there's no recapitulation. There's no way to come back. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 at verse 28, Fear them which fear not them which kill the body and are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Every one of us, as we said, is engaged in a life and death struggle to overcome sin. And we're not talking about sin in general in the population. We're not talking about sin among our politicians. We're not talking about sin on the news. We're not talking about neighborhood sin. We're not talking about territorial sin. Let's talk about sin in your life. I mean just you. Nobody else. Not your neighbor. Not your friend. Not your parent. Not your brother or sister. Not your husband or wife. You. You're fighting for your life. You're struggling for your life every day. Now, we get pretty complacent about it, don't we? We get involved in other things. And we don't think about the fact that we have to win. Absolutely have to win. Or at least we've got to finish. We've got to finish what we started, don't we? 
when I was in high school, uh, I, I involved myself in sports. I love sports. I hated track. I love football, love baseball, love basketball, hated track. But I had to run because that was part of the procedure. If I wanted to play football, I had to go out for track. And I hated to run long distance. You know what, 400, what a 440-yard race is? It's around this oval track, 400 yards, 440 yards. And I had to run that every now and then. At tournaments, and the old joke was by my coach, he says, don't put the... That's him now. <laughs> he used to say, don't put the hurdles on the track, Cassio's still running. I never stopped and cut across to get to the finish line. So I always went around and made the finish line. We have to make the finish line. We've got to finish the race. It would be nice if we could beat everybody else. I don't care if I beat everybody else in the race of life as long as I finish. Isn't that correct? We've got to finish. And I have to finish personally. I have to make sure that I get through this life and that I conquer sin in my life. I have to. I have to come out on top. Now, we're not talking about video games. We're not talking about in events that have little or no consequence or no enduring consequence. We're like an athletic competition like I was just talking about. We're striving to save our everlasting soul. We have to win. Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't even think about this. We just go about our lives blithely and thinking, well, what's going on? What am I having for supper? Where are we going out for lunch? How am I going to pay my bills? Can I buy another car? Can I make a house payment? What's my job look like? Can I advance myself somewhere else? What, what, how do I have to mow the lawn tomorrow? We're thinking about everything in this world except the fact that there are powers in this world eating at my soul, trying to get me, trying to conquer me, trying to get me down and get its foot on my neck and say, I've got you where I want you. I've won. No, we want to win. And we can win with Jesus. Anyway, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's going on, friend. It is going on. Whether we want to recognize it, whether we're just preoccupied or not, with our business, our profession, our life, our career, it's going on. The devil wants your soul. And he's after it. He is after it full-time, 24-7. And we can't ignore that. Now, I don't like to be critical when I preach. I like for you to leave this audience thinking, Hey, I'm glad I was there because I feel better. I feel stronger. And I don't want to talk to you and be critical about your life. I would like to talk to you and help you understand that you can win the battle. That you can feel stronger when you leave this audience this morning and say to yourself, Hey, I can get on top of this. I can come out a victor. I can win because Jesus won. And he gave me the power also to win. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, 
These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation. <laughs> get up in the morning and read your newspaper and get all upset about it. Doesn't make any difference. In the world you're going to have tribulation. It's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. It's not. Life is not going to be what you think it is. Life is not going to treat you like you want to be treated. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. But in me, he said, you can have peace. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he's given us the power to overcome the world. I want to give you some information, just tell you some things about some brothers and sisters in Christ, other churches, that have had problems. But Jesus said, you can get on top of it. You can win. You can overcome. In the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the writer is talking about, and of course Jesus is a spokesman here, about the seven churches of Asia. Have you ever wondered why he picked those? Probably because they're typical. But in each of these churches, he tells them something, and then he says, but you know what? You can get on top of it. You can overcome. You've got problems, but you can overcome. Now, he's not talking about joint problems or group problems. He's talking about problems that each individual had in their own heart, in their own mind, in their own soul, in trying to get on top of their personal problems. So he wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 7, he, he wrote to the church at Ephesus. Some of these people had left their first love. They had forgotten about Jesus. They didn't talk about him. They didn't walk with him. They didn't keep him uttermost in their minds. They didn't talk about their, to their neighbors about Jesus. He said, you've left your first love. But you know what? Don't worry. You can overcome that. You can get on top of that. He said to him that overcomes, I'll give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You can get it. And I, I can, I'm going to give you something when you do, when you overcome. The church at Smyrna, the very next one that he talks about, was doing okay. They were doing fine. But they needed a little lift anyway. Their spirits were a little bit down. And he said to him that overcomes, you won't be hurt of the second death. When you die, it's going to be okay. You'll be all right. Pergamus had more problems. Pergamus had a false teacher in their midst. They, they let that false teacher tell them things that were not in the word. And so he told them, he said, He that overcomes, I will give to eat of the hidden manna and give him a white stone in the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he that receives it. If you get on top of this, Pergamus, I'll give you a new name. I'll give you a white stone. You can, you can make it. Each of these churches, when he talked to, talked to them, each of these churches had problems except for two. And uh, the one was in Smyrna, the one was in Philadelphia. But most of them had problems. And yet, after he detailed their problems, he said, You can overcome. And when you overcome, I will give you a reward. Now, Let's talk about your personal problem this morning. Okay? Talk about your personal problem. You say, well, how about yours? I don't have any. <laughs> I'd talk about mine if I had any, and you'd probably be interested. No, I've got the same problem you do. And when I say you, 
I'm talking about Bill also. But let's, let's just talk about what I need to get in control of in my life. And can I get control? And what control has he given me? And how can I win? First of all, you need to overcome your temptations. Let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. God can't be tempted of evil. Every man when he is tempted is tempted, drawn away his own lust. And when lust conceives, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. We all have temptations. I, we want to do things that Jesus doesn't approve of. Sometimes we have a real taste for alcohol. More than well drink. Or the thrill of illicit sex. Or pornography. Sit down at the computer and say, Oh, nobody's looking, nobody's watching. I'm gonna... You know, wouldn't it be nice if God had some parental controls on computers? <laughs> Parents are, are, are told that they can have parental controls and keep the kids from watching things they shouldn't. But just sit down at the computer and watch pornography. You know, it's happening all the time. It's happening among a lot of people that shouldn't be happening among. But we're not talking about everybody else. We're talking about you. How about you? Temptation with illicit sex. Temptations to let go of a violent temper. To let off anger. To let off steam. To say things we don't care whether we say or not. Because that's just who we are. To do things that would embarrass Jesus. To cheat. To manipulate other people. To feel pride in things that really we shouldn't be proud of. To mistreat people. To say things that hurt their feelings. To be mean and ugly. To be cold toward people that we should, we should be willing to, to step out and help. How do, I, how do I keep from succumbing to those kind of temptations? Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, There's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay. Okay, I have a temptation. Now, how do I resist that temptation? I need to be looking around for an escape route. I mean to look for some way. God said, Bill, if you're going to be tempted to cheat... Look around. I've got a way for you to get out of that. I've got a way for you to escape. Check it out. There is a way that I, I can keep from te being tempted. I can, I can resist that temptation. I can win that struggle. Oh, I, I want to get mad. I want to lose my temper. I want to get angry. I want to flare up. I want to hurt somebody's feelings. God said, watch out, Bill. I've got a way for you to get out of that. What, look for it. Look for it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what yours is. I don't know what mine is. I know what mine is. We need to let Jesus get, get control of us and help us overcome that temptation. I need to overcome my worldliness too. You know, I like the world. Do you like the world? Most people do. When I say worldliness, we, we, we need to think in terms of, of what, what the world presents for us. The world presents a beautiful picture at times of things that are delightful for us, you know. I, I want to join in with a fun-loving crowd. I want to be part of the group. 
I want, I want to enjoy what everybody else is enjoying. I want to uh, have a devil-may-care attitude. I want to have a happy hour every hour of the day. I want to be party-hardy all the time because that looks like so much fun, so many good things. I, I just want everything to, to go well. I admire the big stars, for instance. I look at big movie stars and I say, hey, wouldn't it be nice to be like one of those guys? They, they don't have any worries in the world. They drive big fancy cars. They have beautiful clothes. They, they have beautiful, attractive spouses, wives, husbands, whatever it may be. Well, they're great folks, and so we admire them. I like John Wayne, by the way. He's gone. But we, 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 uh, we idolize movie stars, and we idolize uh, the big, big uh, athletic figures, too. And we like their lifestyles. We, the, it's, it's attractive to us, the sports figures and their fast lives and the successful and, and accomplished individuals. I hear people talking about, look at this guy. Look what he's got. Look how he's made, that, made it out. And look how, what a wonderful life he has, or some woman or whatever it may be. Accomplished individuals. How do I overcome my feeling of wanting to be like them, which is not a good life, as a matter of fact. Most of them are immoral. Most of the, the people that we idolize in this world are, are not worth being idolized. How do we overcome that? I think, for me, I need to change my role model. I need to look for someone who's got character. Someone who's stable. Someone who stands tall for something that's right. Someone who says, hey, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I know what is right and I know what is wrong. I need a different role model. I, need, I don't need to look for glitter. I need to look for integrity. I need to look for steadfastness. Romans chapter 12 verse 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, that means then, in my worldliness, in, in looking for worldliness, now I know what you're going to say, and I, what I'll say to is, my role model should be Jesus Christ. Isn't that correct? But he's not always in front of me. There are other people that are in front of me. My mom, my dad, my friends, my, and people on TV and movies and so forth. These are the ones in front of me. I need to, as an individual, I need to make sure that the role model I'm picking has character and that they have integrity and they, they have good morals and high standards. They can be my role model for sure. And I, I've found some of those too. And I'm sure you have. And then I need to overcome my personal lust. Things that, things that draw me and attract me. 1 John 2.16 says, All that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, that means I want to satisfy my desires of my flesh. The lust of the eyes, I want to see things that I want to see that are not always right to see. And the pride of life means I want to feel big about myself when I shouldn't be. These are in the world and are not of God. They're not of the Father, but they're of the world. Now, how do I get on top of that? How do I overcome that? My life is a personal struggle. Once I have to recognize one major thing. My life is a personal struggle of my heart. Right. Not of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. That's where my struggle is. What I'm feeling. Now you say, well, what, what, you, what you need to do is... 
get some instruction, Bill. Well, I've got the instruction. I know what the Lord wants, doesn't want. I've got that. It doesn't take long to figure that out. What takes long to figure out is what your heart is attracted to. That's what takes the, takes the, the effort. Our lives are personal struggle, uh, struggles of the heart. Not what we know is what we feel inside and what we have to, we have to know ourselves to know what type of people we are. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 19 and 20, Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. These are the things which defile a man. The only way I can keep my heart right is to let someone in that can help me keep that heart right. You know who that is? That's Jesus. I have to let him into my life, into my heart. He has to govern my feelings. You say, well, now you have to know the truth. Sure you do. You have to know what the Bible says, but you have to feel the presence of Jesus Christ in your heart. You have to open that heart. I have to open my heart, and I have to let Jesus Christ come in, and I have to let him take control of me, and I have to let him help me make my decisions when I have these feelings for things. Should I feel this way? And you know, sometimes it's embarrassing to me. When I get a feeling and I'm thinking, you know, this, the feeling I have now would embarrass Jesus. I better not do that. Help me, Lord. Help me get out of this. I have to depend upon Jesus Christ to help me. And you know, it will work. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You can win that battle through Christ who strengthens you. If that's your battle, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, you can win that battle. Now, I've been preaching to the choir here. Huh? Here's, here's one, though, that, that we really don't talk much about. I need to overcome my depression and my doubts. Now, let's talk about that specifically. Depression and doubts spring from self-absorption. I'm depressed because I want, I want things to go my way and they don't. Self-absorption. That means that I'm more concerned about myself than I am anybody else. We get into the frame of mind that life is all about me. You know what? Life is not all about you. And it hasn't been all about you since when you were an infant. When you were born, life was all about you. After you hit about two years or three years old, it's no longer all about you. It's about others around you. Everything does not have to go your way. Now, if you never learn that, you're going to suffer depression all your life. You're going to, you're going to get down in the dumps, and you're going to feel bad about things. If, if life does not go your way, if you never realize that life is not all about me, if you never realize that, you never get out of the dumps. You stay there the rest of your life. You'll always be there. You'll always be saying, somebody's got to make me happy. 
Somebody has to do something. If you don't, if you don't behave just right and make me happy, I'm going to be depressed. As a matter of fact, we get so far into this area of depression that, that when it's cloudy, we even think the weather's conspired against us. It gets cloudy and now we're depressed. Why? So what? Life is not all of it. God's not going to bring the sunshine just for you. He brings the rain and the sunshine for everybody. So if, if, if life is all about you and the weather affects your mental attitude, you need, to, you need to rethink this thing. I want to feel good, so everyone in my life has to conspire to make that happen. Well, make my sunshine. Make me happy. Please me. Don't offend me. Or I will go away and I will be unhappy. Selfishness focuses our attention on our personal desires and our frustrations. We can't see the needs of others because our personal needs overshadows their needs. That's the problem, isn't it? And you know the solution? The solution is, Jesus gave the solution very quickly, very easily. And it's been there all this time. From very, very beginning until now, it's been there all this time. When they asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus answered this way, he said, Matthew 23, 37 through 39. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't say you shall love yourself as yourself. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. Get outside yourself is what he's saying. Love somebody else. Life is not all about me. It's about you too. You also. So when we say, oh, somebody has offended me. Somebody's made me unhappy. Somebody has disturbed me. Life is not going the way I think it should. The politicians are not doing what I think they should. So what? They're not going to. Jesus said, you're going to have some tribulation here. Life is going to be turbulent. He's not telling us that life is just going to be going on and on. Oh, it rains too much in Seattle. Too much for who? <laughs> rains too much in Seattle? Is that why people don't move here? Because they want to be in the sunshine all their lives. They want to be in Florida. Well, I've been in Florida. And I'd rather be in Washington. <laughs> if you don't like it in Washington, go to Florida. That's my... If you don't like it in Washington, go back to California. You know. <laughs> go to Yuma, wherever it may be, where you can get some sunshine. The thing is, you can, you can like the weather one day or another. But the idea is, you don't have to be happy because of the weather. The weather is not what makes you happier and unhappy. It says, the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Put some light into somebody else's life. That's what Jesus said. That's how we overcome. John F. Kennedy was president. He was elected in 1960. I didn't vote for him. I was just one year short of voting for him in 60. And I didn't vote for him the next time he ran. But John F. Kennedy said something that I really liked. And it is in his inauguration speech. He said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. In all of these things that we've talked about, 
We can overcome. We can overcome. You can overcome. And it is faith that overcomes. Who is he that overcomes the world? John asked. But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You can overcome. And God help you do that. Let's stand and sing the song of invitation.